So we unintentionally kind of stumbled upon this series where we're re really kind of going back to the foundational roots of what a church is. And last week, we said that the most important thing in church, of all things, is the supremacy of Christ. And now there's the God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And what Paul says is, in light of all these different religions and false teachings, look to Christ to know the true and living God. He is the image of the invisible God. So we say, hey, that's a great way to capture that. And so our church's vision state, mission statement is to know Christ and to make Christ known. Today, I'm going to talk about a topic that could be a little bit touchy. It could be, it's something that we need to revisit. And it's this idea of what is the meaning of church membership? And perhaps we need to rethink what the meaning that we have in understanding what a church membership is. So I want to go right into it. There's an author named Tom Rayner. He wrote many books on churches. He wrote Autopsy of a Dying Church. He wrote uh, I Am a Church Member. And he went around and he visited churches, and he just took a list of all the silliest reasons that churches ever fought. Really bizarre reasons, real reasons why churches fought and sometimes split. So here's a few. One church had an argument after worship over the appropriate length of the worship pastor's beard. <laughs> they, they gathered together and they said, why is a pastor's beard so long? Some church members left the church because one church member had the audacity to hide the vacuum cleaner from them. It resulted in a major fight and the church actually split. These are all true stories. A disagreement was had made over the using the term potluck instead of pot blessing. We're Christians, why do we call it potluck? Let's call it pot blessing. And lastly, a church argument and a vote to decide, congregational vote was made to see if a clock in the worship center should be removed. So, wow. And as you've heard of carpets, you've heard of carpet colors and, and all these things. And if you really look at the issues of these problems and case scenarios, they all have something in common. None of these really have to do with God directly. All of these have to do with members and members' preferences. And so Tom Rayner, in his book, I Am a Church Member, he writes this. I am suggesting that congregations across America are weak because many of us church members have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be part of the body of Christ. He's saying, I am saying we have become a weak church in America because we have lost the biblical understanding of what it means to be a member of the body of the Christ. Uh, and sure enough, you know, this isn't surprising because we live in an age of Costco, Amazon, Netflix. We live in an age of country clubs and, and all these clubs. And so the word membership, it connotes I pay to receive benefits. I have a right to be served. I have a right to be important. I am a member. Customer service comes first. And so churches, therefore, have less, become less and less about a spiritual community that's connected through Jesus Christ in baptism and more about our preferences and egos or just comfort. 
And what happens when people no longer feel they're getting that need at the local church? You all know. We get up and leave to the next church that might give us that need. Or more and more younger generations, uh, some of you have already seen, they stop going to church altogether. I don't need to play that religious rule. So all along, the major contributing factor is not God. It hasn't been biblical doctrine. It hasn't been over a split over theology. But it, all along, it's about it's not meeting my needs. And so the two words that come to mind when we talk about the trend of this misdirected church membership is this. Two words. Consumerism and entitlement. Consumerism and entitlement drive this idea of really poor, weak membership contributing to a weak church. So consumerism, this is what it sounds like. Ready? If I'm not happy, I'll just leave. If I'm not happy with the pastor, the leadership, the music, the the preference, the, the looks, the paint color, I'll just leave. That's consumeristic thought. Another consumeristic thought is, what am I getting out of it? Am I getting anything out of this? I actually, pastors, one of our fears is when people say, Pastor, I just don't get anything out of your sermon, you know? And so, like, what am I getting out of it? Third is, God exists to meet my needs. This is very consumeristic mentality. We all have it. And we all have a hint of it. It's just a matter of how much are we containing. Entitlement is even more deadly. Entitlement says this. You go to church, and entitlement says, how come no one is serving me? How come no one is saying hi to me? Entitlement is, you know, I've been here and no one even just acknowledges me. And and that's pretty bad. The church should be welcoming and warm. But entitlement says, how come no one's serving me? Whereas on the side, I always tell people, have you said hi to someone else? Entitlement also says, why serve? Others will take care of it anyway. I'm too busy. I got my family, you know, I got my new job, I got my new, new stuff. I'm, too bu- I'm really busy. Why serve? Others will take care of it. Which I always hear as, my time is way busier than your time. That's what entitlement says. Oh, you don't know how busy my life has gotten. Sorry, I can't do this. Which, indirectly, we're saying, you're not as important with your time. So you can serve. So arrogant. And so entitlement all could be wrapped up with these three words, I am owed. So we go to church, and we think, I am owed, because my mother built this church, my grandfather built this church, I've been a member for 40 years, I am owed. And so this drives, not the body of Christ, but this false sense of consumer mentality. And it's toxic to the body of Christ. So 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, let me give you a picture, you divided church. Corinthians have been divided. He said, let me give you a picture of what we are. Are you ready? He said, let me show you. We are like a human body made up of many different parts, and we make one, each of us. And so he goes into it, and he says, like a human body, cells make tissues, tissues make organs, organs make these vital systems so that we can live healthy and we could be effective By grace, through baptism, through Jesus Christ, we have become part of this body. And Paul is saying we are joined and connected together in a deep way. It is more than just a membership. 
It is a connection in Christ. So the Message Bible, Eugene Peterson's version of 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he writes it this way. By means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. I like what you... We each used to be independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which Jesus, he, has the final say in everything. Very different from what we hear today, like, I want this. We should do this. Instead of that, the body of Christ is driven by Jesus saying, what does he desire? What is he calling us into, even if it goes against my comfort? In fact, that's one way to know that you're following not just your preferences, but you're following Christ, when once in a while Christ will make you clash with your comfort. And so um, what happens when the consumerism entitlement drives members of the body of Christ? I had a friend in Texas. His mom had lupus disease. How many of you heard of lupus disease? Do you know what lupus disease is? Lupus disease, in a, in a nutshell, is it's a disease that affects the autoimmune system so that it cannot distinguish foreign bodies, foreign germs, viruses, bacteria. It can't distinguish that from healthy tissues. So it attacks everything, even healthy tissues. In other words, the body begins to attack its own body and destroys healthy tissues instead of foreign germs. And so the church is supposed to fight off foreign germs. For example, heresies, false truths. Church is supposed to fight corruption, abuse. Church is supposed to stand firm and resist the devil. The church is not supposed to fight against its own members. That is spiritual lupus. But why do we do it? Because possibly our definition of membership or being part of the church is consumer-driven and entitlement. And so Paul gives us a picture of let me start fresh and show you what can a church look like or what is a church in an age of division and, and in his time, Greeks, uh, Jews, uh, Romans. Let's see what does a picture of a church look like. And he gives you a few, and I want to share them. First, you need to understand the body of Christ. It is God who placed you into this body. It is God who placed you into this body, as opposed to, I yelped, I googled, I listened to sermons, and, and that's true, that's not bad. Some of you came that way, my friend invited me. Ultimately, it wasn't you shopping around and choosing, I'm willing to patronize this church. <laughs> it is God who brought you into the body of the local church as well as a universal church. And, we, and I need to step back and say, wow, God knows where we need to be. And even though it looks like we picked it, he's the one that controls it. And so verse 18, Paul writes, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he cho chose. Can you say as he chose? Who chose? 
God chose. He arranged us. So some people are short. Some people are tall. Some people are great with music. Some people are great with hands. Some people are great praying. They're just shy. Some people are warm, like, hi. And God knows where each of us belong. And he chose to put you in a context in his brilliant wisdom that we don't even understand. But he chose. Ten years ago, when my family came here, if we had to choose based on our comfort, convenience, and benefit, I don't think this would be the church that stood out for us. Like, not because, I didn't think we were, we were able to lead here. I don't think we fit here. And so, but we hated God's call. Jason, I'm not calling you because you're equipped. I'm calling you, and I will equip you. And so when you look at the full picture, we don't know where God places us and why, but ultimately, each of you sitting in this room has been placed here, ultimately, by God. So that destroys this entitlement mentality. And God also gives each of us a unique gift to share in that body. Why? So we could look good. So people could say, look how well he sings. No, right? so that we can fulfill the mission of God and glorify him. So, Paul goes on. He says this, the body of Christ, and this is one of those things where you go, wow, I never knew that, sarcastically. The body of Christ is, you ready for this? Diverse. Whew. Can you imagine if we all were 45-year-old bald men? Or, or 32-year-old blonde women. Or 18-year-old Korean men, if we all look like that in this room. How freaky would that nightmare be? I mean, so it's not just ethnically. It's intergenerationally. It's spiritually equipped. And we all have a different part. And Paul is saying, surprise, the body of Christ is diverse. Thank goodness our foot does not look like a hand. Can you imagine? Just picture that, how weird that would be. You take your shoes off, and then you got these things on the bottom. Like, that's kind of creepy. Or like, you got an ear here. I mean, I mean, it's just weird. And just in some God's brilliant wisdom, he made all the parts unique. And so verse 15, Paul says this. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body... That would not make it any less a part of the body. He's saying, listen, your difference is the value in the body of Christ. The fact that you are different. So some of you are like, oh, I don't know what I do. I'm not important. I'm not sure what I do. I, I don't do anything. The fact that you are you and God created you in your unique idiosyncrasies and quirks and all is the beauty of the body of Christ. You belong here. And if God placed you here, we are supposed to together draw a picture of God's tapestry through our imperfections united by the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so in the church, there's no group that's superior nor inferior. We are not going to be a church that says, well, the young people are taking over. We are not going to be a church that says, well, old people have been here for a long time. You listen to them. We're not going to be a church where, where hey, these are the people that give the most money. Let's bless them. 
No, there is no superiority or inferiority in the body of Christ. For verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. And look at Paul says, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink one spirit. He's saying, bring your diversity, but there is going to be an equality that we are all brothers and sisters, servants of Christ. Generationally, we need children. There was a time when I was told, we don't need children in this church. And I said, what are you thinking? I have, you have at least three in my family. They've, they, they need to belong here. And there were some people who said, who might have thought like, oh, churches don't want older people. What are you thinking? We need you. You, you walk through decades. There's a wisdom. There's a love. There's a perseverance. Teach us. We need each other. Culturally, we need all people, brown, black, purple, green. We need all people to say, hey, that church, that church, they look so different, but they're all like this united body. And let us reflect Jesus Christ can bring this together. And so we see something else here, just if you look really between the lines. This is like a side Diversity of Christ's body makes comparing ourselves foolish. Now, don't raise your hand, but just raise your hand in your heart. How many of you have an issue with comparing all the time? You compare yourself. Like, dude, I got this, like, $300 driver. And then you go to the golf club, and some guy has a $500 driver. You go to, so pastors do this. We go to a church, and a curse of pastors is when we're on vacation, we go to church, always comparing that's not how I would do call to worship. They only have three praise songs. Boy, that pastor sermon is 50 minutes. And so, like, we're so cocky, and, and then we compare. And then sometimes we're like, though, that was really good. I, man, we stink. And so, look at Paul. Paul says, comparing yourself is like a foot comparing itself to a hand. Or an ear comparing itself to an eye. The point of it is, you are two different functions and you're comparing yourself, and you're losing the value of who you are. The foot forgets, I am literally holding up the weight and balancing this body. And it doesn't realize that when it goes, oh, I wish I could be an eye. And Paul is saying, what kind of foolishness it is to compare ourselves and to church and to the world. Rather than comparing, church would be healthier, rejoicing and celebrating Christ in our eclectic unity. I love it. So, um, Paul goes on. He says, in the body of Christ, we have a special connection, and it's not coffee that we serve in Jenks Hall. It's not this time we spend together. There's a special connection that all Christians have. Uh, let me show you this picture. Have you ever seen this? It's called the fake hand experiment. Okay, so this is crazy. I didn't have the, I want to show the video. So the subject is wearing the blue shirt. His right hand is there, and then there's a fake left hand in front of him. His real left hand is on the other side of the paper. You following? The person in the green shirt has two paintbrushes, and he's stroking both the fake hand and his left hand at the same time. So he starts in his brain wiring that the fake hand feels like his real hand, right? And then you see the guy coming in from the left? He's got a fork in his hand, and he stabs the fake hand out of the blue. 
And 100% of the time, guess what the person in the blue shirt does? He screams like a little three-year-old. Ah! And the point of this was, we start associating even the fake hand because of the synchronized feel, and we start believing that we're going to be in pain, even though we know it's a fake hand. I found that fascinating because 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, if one member suffers, oh, you could change the slide, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. What is Paul literally talking about? He's literally talking about empathy. That when we look around and somebody is crying or, or sad or happy, we empathize. There's a selflessness. There's a connectedness that you and I have in church. That through worship, through our identity in Christ, through just meeting together and committing together and covenanting together, I will walk with you. That there is a connection. This is the reason we have to meet regularly on Sundays. Because in a busy world, it is a need to connect rhythmically together. So when people say, I don't need to go to church, I'm so tired, I could feel God at home, you are missing a whole chunk of the theology of the body of Christ. You don't go to church for you, you go to church to connect and serve others. And I hear that a lot. You know what? I listen to sermons, I feel God at home in the mountains. Great, here's a problem. The family that's struggling with kids that you can minister to, they're not in the mountains with you. <laughs> You're by yourself. And everything when I say, I feel God, it's about you and God. And the body of Christ is not individual. It is communal. And so Paul is saying, listen, we are connected. Colossians 2, 6, and 7, he pushes further. We're supposed to build each other up. He says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thankfulness. How do we do that? By walking together. Trust me, when I do Bible study by myself, it is not as enriching as when I do Bible study with nine other people Wednesday morning. There is something there that we're just hungering and drawing, and I go away full. It is powerful because the body of Christ, seeking Christ together, it's powerful. So Tom Rainer, one more verse, a quote he says, he placed us in churches to serve, to care for others, to pray for leaders, to learn, to teach, to give, and in some cases to die for the sake of the gospel. The church is not about us. He placed us here to give, to serve, to teach, to bless others. And when a church says it's about me, we are a dysfunctional church. And so um, in our book of order, uh, there's a part that says about membership. And I was struck. I was like, man, our book of order is pretty cool. G1.0304, remember that. G1.034, okay? It says ministry of the members. Membership in the church of Jesus Christ is a joy and a privilege, and I'll share with you a few. Did I have it up there? Yeah. It's so small, and there's a lot. But I'm going to just run through some of these. Proclaiming the good news, taking part in the common life of worship, lifting one another up, studying scripture, supporting the ministry of the church uh, through giving, demonstrating a new life, quality of life, responding to God's activity in the world, blah. And it goes on, caring for God's creation, reviewing, evaluating regularly our integrity of one's membership. None of this says, as a member, enjoying 
the blessing of the pastor and the team as they serve you. Enjoying the music that you get to hear in worship, that you may be at peace and lifted up. It, it has nothing, you're the passive. Here, it says, as members in Peace USA, we give, we lift up, we proclaim. This is the body. The church is not people choosing to vote to see where they're going to go on Sundays. It is bigger than CPCLM. It is a supernatural body of invisible group of people who came into Christ, having believed, and saying, we have a new head we follow, and his name is Jesus, and we will walk together by his grace, covenanting. Somehow, when the church shifts over from me to he, we can become a we. I'm going to quote that. Okay, that's, don't, don't say that, it's mine. So I began with this story. Um, I was just so struck by this as I was preparing this, and then I thought about my parents. They were immigrants from Korea in 1979, Their church was 26 miles away, each way. They never once missed a Sunday or a Wednesday, ever, in blizzard or snow. We would yell at them, Dad, there's 14 inches of snow. We're going to church. Dad, I have 102 fever. It's not 103. Let's go. So we're going to, so they went. And I got so mad because only five, six years ago, I found out, I grew up, never having a new pair of shoes until fourth or fifth grade. I wore hand-me-down shoes that my brother or my neighbors wore, literally. And then I found out that during that time, my parents were tithing. But not just tithing, they were double tithing to the church. Gross. And I said, Oh, anger welled up. And then I started letting it sink in, and I realized my parents never taught us what a member of a church is, to be a body of Christ, to live sacrificially. And I realized the reason why I enjoy serving people, serving the Lord, being part of a body of Christ, was because my parents modeled it in a radical way, and we learn from that. The body of Christ has to be shown, not just taught, and you all get to do it. And we can show that the church is not a bunch of people who bicker and quarrel, but that we are supernaturally connected by the grace of Jesus Christ, selflessly sacrificing and giving, proclaiming the good news, that he is glorified and known in this world as the King of kings and Lord of lords. Amen? This is the body of Christ. We are the body of Christ. Let's pray. God, The great mystery is we don't deserve to be in your body. We were sinners and we rejected you from birth. But in your great mercy, 
you gave us your son. You made a way. You opened the door so that we can be new creations, that we could be adopted sons and daughters through Christ. And this body is not something that we have manufactured, this, that we are connected to you in a way that's beyond supernatural. So God, we acknowledge humbly your grace and favor to allow us to be part of this body, whether it's in La Mirada or New Jersey or Canada. So God, may we find humble joy and gladness and may that drive us to rethink our membership not as something to be consumer-driven or entitled because we've established this great past, but because you are the head. And if we're the toenail or the eyelash, we want to be the most faithful piece of this body we could ever be because you are worth it. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.